0: Are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow will be on the road, riding with you in the sunnier days. I wouldn't want it any other way.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 145 of the Corinne Nidja Podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week we have an episode that was recorded a little while ago before everything started happening in the world in relation to Black Lives Matter, so I don't want it to seem insensitive that we're not talking about it in this episode. This is happening in our country here as well. The movement in the United States has really, I guess, lifted the – lifted thank goodness, the voices of the Indigenous people of this country, of our First Nations people in Australia, of their own, you know, much higher levels of incarceration, their much lower life expectancy, all of the issues, their police violence towards the Black deaths in custody here. It's opened up so much about our historic treatment and ongoing treatment of Australia's First Nation people. And it is such an important issue. And I had Emily Webbers on the podcast two episodes ago, who is a First Nations woman and an Indigenous educator. So go back and listen to her episode if you'd like to learn more about, you know, raising anti-racist children and becoming anti-racist yourself learning more about the stories of the First Nations people here. And, and, and her lessons, I do believe, are, are transferable to the Black Lives Matter movement over in the United States in that white people need to educate ourselves and, and that we need to lift and elevate the voices of African-Americans but also um, here of our Aboriginal people. Yeah, it's a huge thing and I do want to have a lot more guests on the show as I continue to educate myself because I don't want this movement to be, you know, we had the bushfires here over Christmas which were just devastating and then COVID happened and, and now Black Lives Matter is happening and I feel like we just can't. as humans, we struggle to keep our attention on an issue once a new issue arises. And I don't want this issue of Black Lives Matter and this issue of becoming anti-racist to just be the next issue that we dismiss when a new issue arises tomorrow. So I want it to keep to keep supporting the momentum because it will naturally that's a bit of a generalization, but we tend to have the, a really short attention span when it comes to human rights issues or any issue in general, like environmentalism and plastics was a big was a big issue and it still is a big issue, but we forget and we move on and it's so hard to manage our attention and our and our actions in so many different areas and i I understand that, but this issue in particular, is so, so, so important because how can we expect humanity and peace on this earth, you know, humanity to find peace and for there to be peace on earth when we're ignoring the very real and ongoing systemic oppression of people based on their skin colour? It just needs to finish. It needs to end. We can't turn back the clock and prevent that from happening in the past but it's our duty to educate ourselves and our children and our young people in our school systems and in our actions and in our behaviours and in the stories we share and the shows we watch everywhere to to help transform the future for future generations rather than it just keeping going and these people just their stories and their plights just perpetually being ignored. It's our all of our duty, but I feel like as a white woman, it's (laughs) it's time for me to shut up and listen and to listen to the voices that need to be heard and to do my best to elevate those voices however I can in my family's life, in my own life. And if I can on this podcast, I would love to do that. And I know from Emily's episode that people were writing to me saying that they never knew They never knew about our Indigenous culture. They never knew the history of our Indigenous culture. They never knew what happened here. They never knew that there were so many different groups of Indigenous people on this country and that they all had, each had their own languages and that was more like Europe than like just one country. It was a whole heap of different countries, more like Africa, but we just came and took everything from these people and slaughtered them. So I want to educate myself about the richness of all those cultures that were here, all of their traditions, all of the languages, all of the colour and the stories and the dream time and all of the, the tools and the things that they use to live and survive and celebrate and all of the wonders of this of these people that lived on this country that I live on. I know it's a different story over in the United States because of slavery and it's different, but the dismissal and the refusal to acknowledge the trauma and the racism that has gone on in both spaces uh, and that continues to go on in both spaces, it needs to end and we need to move forward, elevating the culture and the traditions and the beauty and the diversity and the resilience and resourcefulness of these people that have been dismissed and ignored for too long and silenced for too long. So we'll have some more talks from First Nations people on this podcast, I hope, in the very near future. But this week, we have Juliana Hever on the show. And Juliana is a registered dietitian. She's authored five books, including The Healthspan Solution, Plant-Based Nutrition, The Idiot's Guide, Vegetarian Diet, is a nutrition columnist for Veg News Magazine. She has a Master of Science degree in nutrition. She is also the co-host of Science and Sorcery, the podcast, um, which you can listen to with her partner, Ray, with her partner Ray, and she does such incredible work. So her new podcast is about speaking, travelling, and helping a wide variety of people from around the globe achieve their goals with a whole food plant-based diet. She is just abundant with enthusiasm about whole food plant-based living. And, yeah, this was just a really fun conversation. We talked about her work, her challenges, how she came to a plant-based diet, the work she's doing now. Ah, uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about a plant-based diet, her her three top top three tips. She was just incredible. So please check her out everywhere. Healthspansolution.com, plantbaseddietitian.com, dietitian dot Juliana Hever on social media, and her podcast Science and Sorcery. S-A-U-C-E-R-Y. Sorcery. (laughs) I love that. She is here today. I hope that you enjoy listening to Juliana in this episode. And thank you all. Thank you, Juliana, for coming on the show.
0: Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Corinne.
1: It is so lovely to have you here. And as I said before we started recording, I have been following you and wanting to have you on the show for a really long time and everyone keeps recommending you to be on the show as well so I've been really excited to interview you and to hear your story about how your life kind of led you to to this place as a you know plant-based influencer as well so it's it's just awesome so do do you want to just start at the
0: Start. Start at the start. Where do we start? Well, there's it's such a long, convoluted story. It's an interesting story uh, I, for me, um, but I don't know where to begin. Let's see. Um, well, I was always interested in nutrition and fitness, always. I... I I found some audio cassettes of me teaching aerobics to my cousins and friends <laughs> when I was five years old. And I used to have these chats with my grandma about nutrients and foods and play little cereal box games with my sister. I just always was fascinated by what we eat and how it affects us. So I just, you know, voraciously read and read and read uh, my whole childhood. And then I stumbled upon John Robbins' book, Diet for a New America. When I was a teenager, when, whenever it came out, I think eighty six ish, not to date myself, and um, it changed the way I like. it It's like once you know something, you can't unknow it. And it was a, it was a big, profound moment in my uh, life where I was like, okay, I don't want to contribute to this. I want to, you know, I don't want to eat animals. So what does that mean? And I didn't know what that meant. And you know, there was no real internet at all back then that we had access to. There were no cookbooks or even, you know, not. Not that many books about this. There were some, and I read everything I could get my hands on. But, you know, I didn't know exactly what. I was doing, and so I slowly was convinced by my parents, who I always tell the story. Uh, I kind of documented it in Vegetarian Diet about our friend Candy, who's a nurse. And so my parents said, "Oh, you got to talk to her. You got to talk to her. my crazy daughter. You know, she's a veg of what? I don't know." So they took me out to the steakhouse, and I talk about how we they ordered me this like steak. A, it's like a teriyaki steak. There's a pineapple ring on top, and she proceeded to lecture me about the risks of you know omitting animals and how I will be deficient in protein and iron and Blah blah, 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 And I got nervous because I was young and didn't know and you hear it from a nurse and it's like, okay. So my parents were successful and I went back slowly, slowly to the normal way. But I was still, I knew that there was more to the story than I was being told. So I continued reading and reading and reading. And then the parallel story was that I was in Los Angeles and I was an actress like many People in Los Angeles are, and I was pursuing a career. I was, I went to an arts high school. I was, I was, you know, had an agent. I was doing some, a little bit of acting and modeling and commercials and blah, 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 a lot of theater. And they always told me, the managers would tell me, you got to lose weight. You got to lose weight. You got to lose weight because, you know, you have to be a certain way for the camera. And so, again, I was already so fascinated by all of this stuff. So they sent me to a personal trainer for the first time I was in college at this point and I started personal training and I like got, you know, I was doing this the 18 egg whites and chicken breasts and veggies every day, you know, and I, and I got to my weight, but I was so hungry and miserable and I had all of the same health issues that I'd always had. And then, um, I, but I loved personal training. And so as I was about to graduate, I, I changed from pre-med to theater at the end of my degree. Uh, I, and so I, was, I became a personal trainer. And as soon as I started personal training, people were like, what do I eat? And I just didn't want to regurgitate the, the information from a chapter that I had learned in my personal training book. And just even for my own you know, many years of, of studying on my own, I wanted to know why I was saying and what to say appropriately. So right away, right after I finished my undergrad, I enrolled in graduate school. I got into this great program at Cal State Northridge near where I live. So I was personal training from 6am until noon. I would head off to school. And I... Absolutely loved it. It was the first time in my life I loved school so much, you know, learning everything about nutrition and chemistry and biochem and microbiology, I mean, so many interesting things. It was like the first time I got straight A's and the first time I was like, I was all in and I was, you know, focused. And it took me a while because I was working full time. But I kept thinking, and like what you learn, you learn statistics, and you learn how to analyze research, and you learn about where you get your iron and all that stuff. So it was after that, after I finished my graduate degree, that I was like, I'm going back to this. I I wanted to, I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. So I, you know, I started looking at the, the research. This is again, the internet was, you know, kind of picking up around now, but not not to the extent, not even near where we are right now. This is, I don't know, 20 years ago, and so I was I was real, realizing that oh yeah not only can you get iron from plants you can get a better source of iron from plants and it was like all the all the questions i had was finally you know elucidated and i was like i'm doing this i was ready to do it and i just had babies i was like i'm going for it so i did it and it changed everything for my health i cut out all the animal products and i got rid of life i suffered with sinus infections like really bad ones every all the time really bad stomach gi issues that were just relentless and i you know i would go to doctors and emergency rooms and gastroenterologists and internists and nobody not once asked me what i ate which was quite interesting but this ameliorated this all of these things, acne, all these things, just boom. It was that was it. And that was it. I never looked back. I started teaching it with my clients. So when I when I was, I kind of transitioned from personal trainer to dietitian and and the rest is history. It's been, I just, it's been 15 years now, and I cannot believe the dramatic amazing extraordinary things i've seen happen firsthand with clients one on one with students you know people that have read my books and seen my talks i just the stories are are just amazing things you don't learn are going to happen when you're doing clinical dietetics you know you don't know you don't you don't think that it's i always say my fam- favorite thing to say is results are typical people get off their chronic medications they reverse diagnoses that were supposed to be lifelong it's it's so amazing
1: i love hearing that and i i can't imagine i'm not a nutritionist but i cannot imagine the joy you would feel because i think for many practitioners like you i know i know many people that aren't plant based get good results for their clients but from what I know personally about the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet, it's just next level. And so feeling that feeling of helping your patients, like for me, I had multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia and obesity and depression and candida and constipation and all these things. And now I don't have them. And I imagine if I had a doctor like yourself, a nutritionist like yourself, who was treating me like that reward of being like, oh my gosh, look at the, you know, because my 15 years of my life, I was just lying in bed thinking I'm waiting to die.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm so happy to hear that you're better. That's amazing. I'm, I'm sorry you suffered like that. I know, but I think for you, that joy
1: of helping those patients like myself to get hope again, to feel hope again, and to recover, uh, and to have people like you out in the world doing that work. Because for me, there was no one like yourself. You know, you're just, as you said, I was back in the 90s and I was just. Had no internet, and I'm trying to find random articles and information to support just kind of a a gut feeling that something I was doing was not was was causing me to be so unwell,
0: Or, or that something that you didn't know about could help you so profoundly.
1: Yes, so I'm so glad that you're out there doing this work, and I can't imagine how your clients must be just so overwhelmingly grateful for the work and the books and the, the, you know, the talks and all the things that you're putting out into the world to so gift to people like myself who are living with, living with chronic illness.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. And we feel really grateful to have the opportunity to be part of the journey with our clients. And we become so invested in their health and well being, And it just, I mean, we just, we had two new clients today and it's just, and we've had, we've had a few clients finish up the, our program this week and, you know, it's just, it just, it's so exciting. It, it, it feels like it's a family member. You know, you just, it's so, it is, it's very profound. It's, it's extraordinary to have this opportunity. Wow. So you've written how many books now? This was our, this was my fifth, our second together that just came out in December.
1: Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Five books. I'm trying to write one book and I'm struggling so hard.
0: (laughs) It's so hard to sit down. It's not easy. A deadline helps. That was what happened with me. I had my first book. with the Complete 80s Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition. And I had two toddlers and I was a full-time mom and I would get up at four in the morning. I had a deadline. I had six weeks to write that book. And 50 recipes. I was like, I don't know how to develop recipes. I'm a dietitian, you know. Nope, gotta have 50 recipes. It was like four in the morning, you know, get up before the kids, coffee, tea, whatever. Just it was so a deadline helps, is all I'm saying. It's not easy. I agree.
1: Oh my gosh, you're incredible. So, with your family, when you decided to go all in plant based, I like to just touch on this a, a little bit because for a lot, our society's. You know, very still, still largely based around an omniv- omnivorous diet, and our families can give a bit of like your parents did initially. Give you that. Actually, you're wrong, but I guess because you had that background in nutrition, you probably got less pushback the second time around as an adult. Or you still got pushback the second time
0: around. Oh, oh no! There's, in fact, this is something we deal with with our clients because everything about food is is social, psychosocial. you know. There's habits, but you are so profoundly... I keep using the word profound, but there are so many big impacts that you get all day, every day from everyone around you. And it's interesting because as you know, I've always kind of been hyper analyzed for what I eat because as an actress, first I was a dancer, then an actress, then a personal trainer. So they look you up and down. And as a dietitian, they look you up and down and decide whether they're going to listen to you or not. And so um i still so even even after this you know 7 years of graduate school and even after writing all these books and even after speaking all over the world um and and i've written now two peer reviewed uh uh healthcare it's uh, plant based diets for healthcare professionals in journal articles right uh even still people still go to town so it never gets better like it's it's amazing how we always say everyone eats so therefore everyone is an expert on what to eat Yeah. (laughs) Self-proclaimed experts everywhere. Yeah. Golly.
1: I can't even imagine. So for you and one of the things I actually wanted to ask you to just today, because a client of mine asked me was in relation to food, it's it's a little bit, I'm pivoting just quickly because I just remembered it. And I was like, I'm going to ask now before I forget a lot of people like myself, I would call myself a self self self-diagnosed, but food addict like someone who just for I'm I'm an emotional eater and it's been a big part of my journey is that that food was something that I that I ate not for a sustenance but for a comfort and emotional support and I think that that's pretty common everywhere but for me it was just more of an issue than for some of my friends and family who aren't obsessive weren't obsessively thinking about when they were going to eat the next thing and and binge eat, kind of binge eating and overeating. So one of my clients said to me, because, you know, them, I know Chef AJ and a lot of other nutritionists, nutrition experts and people to say things like, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. If you're an addict for food and to keep your environment really, really clean. And they're saying, well, if you have young kids and a husband who's not plant based and your kids, you want to have snacks for them on hand. It's not really possible to have the this perfect clean environment for a lot of people. What do you advise for your clients who are wanting to make this switch, but their household isn't a pure safe container that's supporting them in their goal? If that makes sense.
0: Well, it has nothing it, it's a it's a good question. And we deal with this with our clients all the time. Uh, we don't involve the family. We have this is your journey. Only alone, there's a lot that you said that I kind of want to unpack. First of all, I don't think it's you know I don't think you're broken or anyone's broken when they feel like they want to eat an extra serving of whatever it is because food is it's you know it's food uh, access. We have access to it all the time. It's everywhere, no matter where we go. And I know it's very different nowadays with with us being quarantined and all that. Things have changed temporarily, at least, um, and. That said, it's it's a biological instinct. It is biologically normal to want to overeat. We're the ones that would survive, you know, when there's times of scarcity. The problem is there's no scarcity right now. Well, we were, we just flirted with it. We did have a little, like, we flirted with it for the first time in our, you know, in our lives, you know, this, it was, that was fascinating, but, other than that, and we never really did go to major shortages, I mean, there are some parts of the world. I, I don't know exactly what what's going on right now. But that said, we don't have a problem with getting food, mostly. most of us don't in the western world. and And so we can't have a perfect environment necessarily. You have to do it. it's It's all you. You have your choice. You get to decide everything. You always get to decide what goes in your mouth. You don't accidentally, you know, have sex with someone you don't accidentally there's a lot of stuff that i mean it's all like you get to decide you have full control over what you what you consume i mean it's really what it comes down to and so you know you're not going most people can't have a a perfect environment but i don't think that you're an addict because you want that you're 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 driven to eat that food because you are, we are we are you know evolutionary evolutionarily we are um we have evolved to store Food for when there is a winter, when there is scarcity, and we just don't have that. So it is a biological, normal thing to want to eat. It's not pathological. You're not broken. We tell all of our clients all the time, You're not broken. This is normal. And so I don't tell people you have to have a perfect environment. You have to have everyone around you doing it because it's just not the case for most people. It's just not, you know, and you just have to, you know, obviously, you know, we always tell people our clients to be a lighthouse, not a tugboat. So, you know, drag say, no, nope, you can't eat that. You know, telling your kids you can't have, a, you know, we call it a rare and appropriate or you can't have treats once in a while. That's just not, that's just not part of the program. You're dealing with your program. You're dealing with your mouth and you're going to have to live in the world. And it's, I think the people that kind of sterilize their environment and try to be perfect and all that, eventually that's going to, you know, wear out and you're going to be out in the world at some point and something's going to, you know, you're going to be, um, uh, what's it called? Tempted, you know? And so... I, we have a lot of little strategies that we use in the certain circumstances. But I would the most important thing is you're not broken. That is biologically normal. And you just have to choose to eat the right foods that are going to make you feel good. There's a lot of benefits you'll see. You see you've seen a lot of our, our clients that haven't seen yet. Once you start eating this way... And you feel a different way. It's a self-fulfilling, you know, that it just kind of gets better and better and easier and easier and your palate will change and all that stuff happens. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot that goes behind what you just said. There's so much. I mean, I could talk for hours and hours on it, but, you know, it's it, the most important thing is to know that this is, you have control. You are not broken. It is normal.
1: Yes thank you thank you for answering that question it is a giant pandora's box of a question but yeah. thank you and i think that it's really it is for me because i can't you know it is like my husband my husband eats foods that i know that i would get just deep dive into a jar of peanut butter <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so Ray. Ray always says, my partner Ray Karnas, he always says, there is no jar of peanut butter that my spoon can't find the bottom of. And it's true. And we, we, have a, we have a thing. Our client, Craig, dubbed this name. I mean, it was the first we'd heard of it and it was perfect. He calls it... And this is exactly... I've been practicing this for years. I just didn't have this name. And this name says it all. Breaking the seal. So I know that if I go, if we go out for Mexican food and we used to go to restaurants, I love Mexican food. If I would have a first chip and salsa, I would not be able to stop the chips and salsa. Absolutely. So I just don't have the first one Yes. breaking the seal. That's the concept. It's like, just don't, you know, there's like, again, there are no, several strategies that we use. It's perfect. Yeah.
1: It's perfect. Yeah. I totally agree, and that's the perfect word for it. Because last night at dinner, I literally I had a smoothie, and that's was what I felt like for dinner because I wasn't hungry. I thought I'd just have some greens. I had a smoothie, and my son had this big baked potato, and it's fine. Like, I could, I was happily eating it, but I just, I just. I knew we had too much. So I just bit into it. And then next thing I know, I'm just eating this whole potato. Like I just didn't even need it. And I was just, but that was breaking the seal. I shouldn't have had that one bite. And then I just was like, "This." yeah, I'm fine. If I don't have that
0: first bite, I look at it. I want it, you know, if rate rate, we have different schedules on when we eat usually when we're together where I'm halftime in Los Angeles and halftime here in, in Huntsville. And, uh, and if, he, he'll eat later at night and I, I don't need to eat late and I'm not hungry. I don't need to eat. I don't want to eat. I don't sleep well when I eat late night, but he'll be, and he's a really good cook and he'll be making something. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And sometimes I have to leave the room because I just, I don't want to start because if I have a bite, it's all over for me. And I know that, you know,
1: it's a really, really good point to make. And for people to listen to, because like Ranjit makes, saying, Ranjit makes delicious food and he'll always say, have a taste. And I say, if I have a taste, I'm all in you know as soon as you make me taste yes. your pasta sauce I'm eating a whole bowl of pasta that I don't want to eat yeah so it's really really exactly <laughs> a really good point to make because I think people out there <laughs> listening thinking oh my gosh it is that because if you avoid breaking the seal you know you can push through the craving but if you have that taste I don't know what happens, but it's like all bets are off.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> True story. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: So your work now? What do you what, when you're talking about working with your clients? What are your programs? What does your work look like now with clients?
0: Oh, well, we're, we're doing so many projects right now, but and we're trying to scale because we've got an influx. We we, we started with a few clients because we were only taking people by invitation only. And we started opening up a little bit because we started our podcast Science and Saucery, in I want to say November. I don't remember exactly, but not that long. Well, no, maybe it was before that. Maybe around, I don't know. Not that long ago. We're on episode like thirty-two. And we do it once a week, something like that. And congratulations! We had this by the way, That's thank awesome. you. Yeah, we're really we're loving it. We're having so much fun. We have this. Oh, Can I-, I just ask what it's about? Because I haven't listened to it. Oh, oh, okay, science. And sorcery, so lots of science. Because Ray and I are crazy science geeky, we love to geek out. But we talk about the culinary, we talk about food, we talk about nutrition. We, today, we interviewed Paul Stamets, the mushroom the king, and I. Cry. It was honestly one of my favorite interviews of my life. It was so interesting. I can't wait to. I'm going to listen to it a hundred times once we publish it. But we we interview people. We also just have privates. Like the one that published yesterday is just us answering questions. Like a lot of people always have nutrition questions and diet questions, and Ray an expert on metabolism and weight loss and um, uh, all sorts of things health span and 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 uh, so we do a lot of that and we do we do nutrition and plant-based nutrition and we, we've you know we've interviewed uh, David Sinclair from the Harvard longevity expert and uh, Penn Gillette because Ray is responsible for Penn's 100 pound weight loss transformation and so you know it's a really diverse podcast but uh we're having a great time like it's it's been really fun and interesting we we interviewed yesterday two of the biospherians when they did biosphere 2 ray was involved in that as well um, i was a little very much younger <laughs> i'm younger than him but um we interviewed two of jane and and um tabor from from that from that amazing experiment that was really cool. Crazy exciting too. I don't, I've never heard of this experiment. What experiment was this? Biosphere 2. Oh, you have to look it up. It's they basically in Arizona in the 90s. I mean, they constructed it for a while before that. But in 91, there were eight. They call them biospherians. That walked into this. Um, they made a controlled environment with all these different atmospheres, like with an ocean and a savanna, and and they made all their own food. And they and they reek. It's just you have to look it up and, and listen to our podcast, which will be coming out on Tuesday. I will. It is so interesting. Yeah. And these they're all these scientists that just wanted to study chemistry and physics and and gardening and environment and climate. It's, oh, it's fascinating. So so we have a really good time on the podcast but our main our day job is we have a lifestyle transformation company so we had to after all these people are telling everyone about us and you know we don't have you can't go to our website and click on services and like hire us we don't we we have to be very careful who we work with because you know our our clients all lose 0.6 to 0.8 pounds a day and we have these massive transformations and we have this really high success rate and so we're very particular about like the right clients we want to make sure we're right for them to get them to that goal and so that's what we do and it's just kind of exploded and so <laughs> we're trying to scale up and we're working on an app so that we can actually take more clients because we, you know we're we're very, like i said we are crying with you or laughing with we, we laugh most of the time we make everything really funny because Weight loss is not fun. We just have to go through it. So we laugh with our clients, and we have an amazing time. We have clients all over the world. We have someone in Australia right now. A couple of people in Europe. We have people in Canada, all over the world. We just we coach from phone and Skype and WhatsApp. So it's you know all day long now. We're we're seeing people all over the world, and we're just helping them throughout all the different stages of this journey. And it's oh my gosh, it's like every day is an, an adventure, a journey, and uh, and we're working on a class, a a twelve. It'll be a six-week transformation class online because we just can't take everyone. Um, so we want to have something that we could teach people how how to live this way and how to eat this way. So lots of exciting stuff in the works.
1: That is really, really exciting. 0. 0.6 pounds plus a day is for so many people listening, they be like, oh my bing, their eyes would be lighting up. So I can see why yeah. you need to figure out a way to scale. in the programs, it sounds like a great idea as well for people so you can actually catch some more people and work with more people without being so intensely you're working so intensely with those one-on-one clients that's amazing I'm so excited for you and that work that you're doing and putting out into the into the world which is so amazing and the podcast sounds so great as well um I'm excited. So I have to listen I, have, I mean I have to listen now I'm yes yes thank what is you. the sorcery side of this podcast because that's what's fascinating to tweaking my
0: interest peaking. well, my instead interest? of sor- it's a play on the word sorcery ah, because it's a sorcery I like sauce. sauces, cooking, ah. culinary. Ray is a trained chef. I've taken many, many culinary classes uh, and' we're, and I've you know taught at culinary schools. but um, you know, and we just our last book is a cookbook. Uh, the health Band solution is a hundred recipes. and it's, you know we we take a we have a very different approach to food and eating. And so we talk, we address some of that in the podcast as well. just like you know, For instance, we don't use breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and desserts. We don't do time of day eating. We just want you to eat vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices in tasty combinations of soups, salads, sides, and sweets. And that's what our book represents. Ah,
1: So you don't do like 8 a.m. breakfast, 12 p.m. lunch, 6 p.m. dinner? Nope. Wow. Nope. What what is the reasoning behind that? Do I have to read your book to find out?
0: (laughs) You have to read our book to print. And listen to the podcast. We talk about it all the time. I mean, it's everywhere. It's there's why, why do we have to eat at 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock? Like who told us? You know, all of us, all marketing, it's all made up. It's all made up. And the body doesn't biologically work like that. And Ray actually wrote a brilliant paper called uh, The Metabolic Winter Hypothesis. And um, it talks about like, you know... How, like bio, biology more, and and our and how we adapted evolutionarily, and it just explains how, you know, we just most of us most of us are in a state of chronic overnutrition, you know, most of the people that come to us, what three, I think it's close to almost three, about seventy percent of the U.S. right now is overweight or obese, and uh, and around the world it's one in three. So, most people are dealing with chronic overnutrition rather than undernutrition. In fact, in 2011 was the first time in history ever that chronic overnutrition surpassed chronic undernutrition. So, that is what we deal with. And most people don't need to eat, you know, to gain weight or to, you know, it's, it's easy to maintain your weight. So, we, we address it from, from a biological standpoint instead of what, what we hear.
1: I am only just getting into this in my own life in the last two years, changing from the I, the model of eating that I have grown up with my whole life. But with your clients, how long does it take before they start to listen intuitively to
0: when they're actually hungry and not
1: when we they're start them right
0: away? That's day hungry. one. That's what we teach them day one. Day one. It's really, really
1: fascinating work, and I think so many people don't realize that we're basically eating around a. For in, it's probably an industrialization concept, is it? Is that when this kind of model of eating came in when we started to have to go to workplaces? Do you think that's the origins? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just questioning.
0: No, I mean it's evolved over time, and it started. I mean it's it just depends on which which direction you're which part of it you're looking at, you know. There were there were circadian reasons. There were um, there's a lot of reasons. But the reason we do it, it doesn't matter really. Like it doesn't matter how we used to eat exactly necessarily. Like like the whole paleo thing and all that. It just doesn't matter because we have to look at right now what we're doing. And and the most important thing is what we do now. How it affects our bodies. Now in today's society, and today's society, people are told they need to eat more, 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 more frequently, more often. I, I'm part of all these dietetics, like Facebook groups, like with all these dietitians that are, you know, the, I, I kind of watch it now. I can't believe how dietetics has devolved into a very, I would say, harmful place. I'm actually very concerned about my profession because, um, you know, people will say, "Oh, my client can't lose weight," and then everyone goes, "Oh, they're not eating enough," or "Oh, they're thyroid," or, "Oh, they're broken," "They're broken," "They're broken," "They're broken." And it just doesn't make sense. And so I'll I'll send you links to our papers because it explains it. It's all in our book and it explains why. And I could get really geeky on it. But essentially, you know, you don't need to... We don't... Most of us don't need to eat all the time. And there's no metabolic benefit to eating all the time. There's no benefit to eating all the time. Unless you're in a a state of... An environment of scarcity and you need to make sure you're storing enough for the future.
1: Okay. So can I... I'm fascinated by what you're talking about, to be honest. So... For Let's say for me right now, if I said to you, I've done some fasting, some water fasting and some like juice fasting, just played around with it and done intermittent fasting a lot. Um, so do you recommend getting into a fasting states for people or do you, are you just like just listen to your bodies?
0: Well, it depends on the situation specifically. We do not have our, we do not let our clients fast during, during weight loss we do not want people to fast during weight loss ray has been 24 days without anything but water and studied himself you know with the bio like everything crazy crazy experiment he did um not that crazy because the longest water how long do you think the longest water only supervised fast was if you had a guess i don't know and I, I know true north i'm i'm going to guess 40 days the longest it's actually documented the longest water only supervised medically supervised fast was 382 days <sighs> He lost 275 pounds. He had fat to lose, but he kept it off. It didn't break him. So there's I mean, yeah, true north. There's some great stuff happening there. There's there's some wonderful research on on fasting. Absolutely. We don't, you know, guide people through fasting. That's not what we do. Um, but there are absolutely benefits. Like, I mean, there's I don't know if you could see these books back here, but Ray has this is kind of why I come to Huntsville all the time, because there's this library of every book written on nutrition and metabolism since the eighteenth century, and there's some fascinating books on fasting, and they've known nothing has really changed, and we haven't learned anything new except substantiating all this this all this initial evidence. So there's definitely benefits to fasting, but you know, we don't guide that's not what we do. we don't we're not physicians, so we don't we don't have and we don't have a lab and in biochemistry, we don't do the biochemistry
1: for for people who worried with fasting about things like hair loss or losing their menstrual, like losing their periods and things like that. Why do those, why do those things happen to some people when they get into a, too much of a calorie restricted
0: state? Well, calorie restriction is very different than fasting. Um, but if you think about it, there's two different modes, right? You're in an anabolic mode and you're in a catabolic mode. And if you're not eating, if you're in a fasted state, your body's prioritizing and it's shifting things for survival. You know, first it goes through the fat, but if you get past that, you know, you're going it, There's a whole shift in your metabolism throughout the fasted process, and it takes about about at least three days to kick into a real fasted state. So, like, there's no such thing as juice fasting, and there's no such thing as like, you know, oh, I fast every day until six a.m. or seven a.m. What do people say? All sort. It's gotten kind of. Um, Messed up in the way people talk about it, just like the whole vegan and plant based and all this. So there's so much confusion around all this stuff. And um, so, you know, if someone's going a long time without like calorie, I don't know. I can't answer that generally speaking because just all I could say is that if you're in a uh, restricted state, your body's going to act and prioritize. So if you already don't have reserves, you know, then things, you know, I don't know. It depends on the situation. It, it, I, I, I don't hear about that. I don't do fasting with my clients. So I do have, you know, our clients eat less frequently. We talk about time-restricted feeding. That's all in our book as well because of the health healthspan um, benefits, but um, they shouldn't be losing their hair and stuff like that. So that might be a nutritional thing or a health thing. I don't, I don't know. It depends on the situation.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for trying to answer that. It was a bit a left of field, um, but I was just curious when you were talking about the fasting because I know some people who are like I eat all the time because I don't want. Oh, they were advised to eat. On your point about nutritionists advising people to have eat be eating constantly, they were advised because of their hair loss that they um, and the period loss that they need to eat like seven meals a day constantly. And I was well, just period like,
0: loss is something going. There's something like that's something I would. Be concerned about. Like these are things that I would analyze in a nutrition consult and I can't just give general information because there's so many things behind all of that that I'd have to look at what exactly is going on what the situation what they were eating. You know, I want people to feel good and be healthy and you know and get their nutrition complement that they require, but um it just depends stage of life. There's so many issues involved in food and nutrition and then again there's so much misinformation out there. It's rampant and everybody eats so everybody is a self-proclaimed expert in eating and it just gets everyone so crazy confused that it's 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 crazy out there <laughs> it really is that's the opposite of what i had when i couldn't find information when i was trying to when i was younger as opposed to now where there's an onslaught of information and you don't know what to believe at this point you know you have to make sure you're going to valid sources and you you know people that you trust and rely on and have um, research to back up what they're saying.
1: Mm. And then, then you also have to look up where the research is coming from and if it's who it's funded by. And that makes it so difficult for the everyday person to, to get good information because there is just so much. And sometimes it looks like credible, in, credible research, right. but it's, that's the part Absolutely. that I think dissuade, the, just confuses so many people.
0: All right. So my my recommendation is to look at the preponderance of data. You don't want to just have a guru. Like it's never good to just have a guru that you listen to everything they say, unless you know really well what they're saying and you've seen their papers and their results and all that. But um, just look for the most widely uh, acknowledged database. Like there, you know, no one's going to argue. Well, people try to argue that you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. You know, that's We all need to eat more fruits and vegetables. We need to base half of our diet to be fruits and vegetables. People start to say ridiculous things that fruit makes you fat and it makes you diabetic. I mean, just crazy stuff that people say, which... Lectins. Lectins. We just just talked about that in Science and Saucery actually yesterday. So yes, there's so much nonsense out there. And yeah, and that's a doctor that started that nonsense or was one of the... So you do have to be careful. Um, but just, you know, but compare notes and like, you know, I always tell people to triangulate what they're looking at. Like, don't just go to one thing. Make sure. <laughs> look, look two and three and four derivations away or wider and, you know, and just do, do some more homework. And it's, you know, if you're going to make a major decision, like I'm going to eat a plant-based diet or I'm going to, you know, or, or a dangerous a dangerously big decision like i'm going to cut out lectins from my diet be sure you know why you're doing it and how to do it and 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 know what the repercussions are going to be of that because if you just make a blind decision like that i mean that's those are people that come to us after you know having bad experiences and and you'll see it you could see it you monitor your biochemistry you monitor how you feel and your symptoms and i don't know how how you were able to what your journey was like but um You know, there's lots of red flags and you just need to study and and know what you're doing and and, and ask professionals.
1: And this is the thing, this is why I'm so glad that you exist and people like you exist because there are so many people who just jump to a plant-based diet and either with not much information or they watched a YouTuber who looked really fit and was only eating like one fruit. (laughs) Uh, And then they are good for a month and they lose a heap of weight and then they start struggling and then they ditch plant-based eating and start making videos about why they're no longer plant-based. And I think, don't just ditch it after talking to no one and not getting any advice or searching wider. Um, People like yourself are out there writing books and papers that can actually educate and make you do it the right way. And for me, it wasn't just that I started and then I went beep and I was amazing. I had to really find a team of experts to listen to and educate myself on doing it how to do it the right way because at the start you know you can make some really you know I did tons of ridiculous things along the way and I still am learning it's not like I've just reached the point of perfection and now I'm done like I'm still on my on my journey trying to tweak my diet but it is hard when people just go I've got this person's information that's not a whole the whole picture and then they kind of stop there and if it doesn 't work, then they go back to eating animals and processed foods, like you're like <laughs> there's more people out there that you could be asking rather than just one Instagram celebrity yes <laughs> so i'm very glad that your books and your research are there for so many people and for, you know, I'll be listing them in the show notes if you're listening and you're thinking what, what are the all the names of the books they'll be in the show notes for you to buy and read and go through because there are just so much, you know, you're doing such incredible work in your pod, now your podcast, which I'm going to be a uh, subscribing to as, I, as soon as I hang out.
0: Oh, thank you, Corinne.
1: But just quickly before I hang up from you, what would be, what would be the, f- just for your average client, when do they first start to feel results or to notice results when they're starting to work with you? Like what's the timeline?
0: Well, it's, we have a very, very predictable program. It's like, I can't even tell you how, you know, when I was in grad school, they teach you, everyone's a little different and monitor, you know, everyone's got their little, so-. no, no, no. When we put them on this plan, everything changes in exactly what we would predict. Like I could literally tell you what day you will weigh this weight more or less, like a, give or take a couple of days. Like it's, un- and I'm talking about 60 pounds later. <laughs> you know, we just had someone finish this week that we were off by three days. And this was like, I don't know, 65 pounds or something. So it it's It is very predictable, I would say, but I would you know so at first, it depends on where they're coming from. everyone we know how they're gonna react, but we don't know where people are coming from different places. you know people are coming to us, they've been vegan for twenty years, and they have health issues and or people have have never eaten you know they don't eat vegetables ever, and they're you know complete you know carnivore or whatever um so it depends on where you're coming from um health wise diet wise. But, um, most people feel kind of crummy on day three or four. And then after that, they start to feel really good. Uh, the people that are already there and we're just tweaking a little bit, like the clients that come to me privately, because I also do nutrition consults privately, like just anything but weight loss. I work with, I work with people with, um, diabetes and, cardiovascular disease and and um, autoimmune disease and all sorts of things. I work with all sorts and pregnancy and the good stuff, the pregnancy and the, you know, having babies and raising children, plant-based. I work with families. It's really kind of fun. Um, but that's kind of different than our transformation program. But so for someone that's already that and they're just kind of tweaking a little bit here and there, you know, we can get them feeling good pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And what would be your three biggest pieces of advice for people who are wanting to make the switch to a plant-based diet?
0: First, I would say... um You know, most of us are creatures of habit. We all eat about the same, you know, maybe eight to 10 recipes that we rotate through. Most of us eat the same things for, I know we don't use these words, but most people eat the same thing first thing in the morning, breakfast, whatever. Uh, Well, anytime you eat, the first meal is breakfast, right? Breakfast. Um, And then most people kind of rotate between one or two different lunches. Most people, maybe three or four or five dinners a week that they rotate through. So we're creatures of habit. So all you really need to do is learn those eight to 10 new recipes that you love. Love. And now is better time than ever because we have the internet. This is a great. Re- this is a, the best reason for the internet for us. You know, the best part of it for us is that there are you know limitless um, places that you could find delicious recipes. So find a recipes that sound good. Look at cookbooks. You know, check out our Health Solution cookbook. And you find a recipe you like, you try it. If you love it, you you save it. I, when I was first doing this before the internet, I would find a recipe, I'd put a heart on it, or I would cross it out in the book. And I just collected recipes. I'd, I'd copy them and print, and I just I ended up with I have this huge pile of, of recipes that I love. And now I've been creating recipes that I love. And that's all you need. So think about it simply. That's my first word of advice: is just find your recipes, find your people, find your recipes. Um, number two would be to keep it simple. It doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. It doesn't have to be a different meal. You know, every time you eat, you could eat very similar things. I I stick to the, I'm a creature of habit too. I love the same few meals, especially when I'm in L.A. at home. You know, and I'm cooking for myself and my daughter and sometimes my son i will I eat probably the same thing almost every day, like I love that, but when I'm here, Ray likes to push my push me out of the boundaries. He loves to cook for me because I love to eat his food, so he'll make me all sorts of different things, but you don't need to so just keep it simple. find a few things you love, find a few ingredients you love, a couple of recipes. make it simple. it doesn't have to be gourmet, it doesn't have to be expensive. you know that's that's a big big um. Myth about eating this way—it does not have to be fancy or expensive. So, and the third thing I would say is keep learning. You know, read and 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 ask questions and search and go to the go to the science, go to the primary sources of research and start to look at all that stuff. Uh, It's just the more you learn, the more power you have. It's just you empower yourself so that you understand. Make sure you're aware of supplements that you need to take. Make sure you're you know you're getting your vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. Uh, We have um, a mnemonic called the six daily threes that talks about how to prioritize those foods that's in our books and our papers. And, um, so I would just say, just learn as much as you can and just keep learning because it's not, it, it's a, it's food. Nutrition is one of the most, uh, fluid things, although a lot of it is, doesn't change, like I said. A lot of it has been very stable for a hundred years, but we're learning. We're constantly learning new things that are apropos and can evolve the conversation. So just keep learning. Keep your mind open, and and keep. It's okay to keep it to yourself. Don't ask everyone's opinion because if you ask everyone around you, you get everyone's opinion, and it just complicates things. And you start questioning yourself, even if you know, even if you know this stuff backwards and forwards. Like people will, I will get a challenging someone sometimes. I'm like, whoa, it'll throw me off, and I have to go back to the science on something. So like, you know, just, you know, do your own studies, go to people you trust that know this information and, um, and enjoy the journey. It's fun. This is fun. Like those are new recipes, new ways to see your plate, new things to think about. It's exciting. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm giving up these seven ingredients, you know? Don't worry about that. Just find your new favorites and, and let the fun begin. Yes, I love that so much. So
1: Juliana, where can people follow you, find you on just work with you and things online? Where can we look
0: Where can we look you up? Oh, thank you. Well, you can you could look me up at healthspansolution.com. And plantbaseddietitian.com, though I'm, I'm blogging more frequently on healthspansolution.com, but I'm still active on both. Uh, I'm on Instagram with my crazy to spell name, Juliana Hever, which you'll see, I guess you'll write that out. It's, <laughs> uh, and then I'm on Facebook as Plant-Based Dietitian and Twitter as Plant Dietitian and our podcast, Science and Saucery. But all of that, all of these links are all on healthspansolution.com and plantbaseddietitian.com so you can find all of us, our work there. Awesome!
1: Thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with me. I really enjoyed. I could have spoken to you for a whole day, but I have to. I know you have to go, and I have to go. And thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care.
1: Thanks so much, Juliana, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And please don't forget to head to healthspansolution.com for more information about from Juliana, plantbaseddietitian.com and Juliana Hever on Facebook and Plant Based Dietitian on Facebook and Juliana Hever's The Vegetarian Diet on Facebook. You can follow her on Facebook at Plant-Based Dietitian and Juliana Hevers, The Vegetarian Diet. And you can also find her at The Plant-Based Dietitian on Instagram and everywhere else. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you all next week. Bye.
0: Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other